Welcome to another edition of Alternative News brought to you by Romina Betsin from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament produced at the community radio station 3CR. Today's program is presented by May Katsakis who will be speaking about what is happening in Philippines. May is co-chairperson of Philippines Australia Solidarity Association, PASA. We thank May for presenting this program. I would like to discuss today the Philippines in the midst of COVID-19 and human rights workers. So in this topic, I would like to include the President Duterte's promises when he was campaigning for the 2016 presidential election. Also, when he declared the CPP and the NPA as terrorist groups, civil society organizations and individuals who are the advocates of the poor and also who are human rights workers or any dissenting voice, the Duterte's war on drugs or war on the poor, the consolidation of the Duterte's power by eliminating political opposition and militarizing cabinets and um, government offices where he militarized the whole country, mass arrest, not releasing political prisoners, the shutdown of major broadcasting networks, and many other issues. So if I may start, among the promises of President Duterte during his campaign in 2016, and these are the ones that convinced many Filipinos to vote for him. First is the end of the contract contractualization of labor. He promised that when he becomes president, he's going to end contractualization. And the second is the resumption of the peace negotiations with the National Democratic Front of the Philippines. Duterte said that when he was campaigning, he said that he is a leftist, uh, socialist, and he's going to resume the peace negotiations with the National Democratic Front of the Philippines. Sooner rather than later, the people realized that Duterte was never going to fulfill any of his promises. So until now, contractualization of labor continues in the Philippines. It is even worse because the contract terms now are shorter, which are three months to six months, and there is no guarantee that the contract will be renewed when the term ends. So many workers have become slaves that the employer can direct to his whims. The peace talks have seemingly resumed in the first year of the 30th election, but it was on-off, on-off. And on the 23rd of November 2017, after receiving signal from Trump, the 30 terminated the peace negotiations. Two weeks after that, on the 5th of December, the 30 declared the Communist Party of the Philippines and the New People's Army as terrorist organizations. Remember, these are the organizations that was being represented by the National Democratic Front of the Philippines that the government was having peace negotiations. After this, the Philippine government all-out war against any dissenting voice and against civil society organizations intensified. The war on the poor produced about 30,000 murders, mostly of poor people. There are news that there is a reward of up to 10,000 pesos for every person the police killed, and up to 1,000 to those who identified them and reported them to the police under the war on drugs policy, turning people against each other. And due to the poverty in the Philippines, there are people who would resort to this action. The 30s started consolidating his power. 
he started eliminating his opposition. He threw Senator Leila de Lima, who was very critical of his war on drugs, to prison. Until now, Senator de Lima is still in prison. He manufactured a case against Chief Justice Maria Lourdes Sereno and removed her from office. His government as well in many cases tried to destroy Duterte's vice president, Lene Robredo. So first, Duterte appointed her as the head of the anti-drug war. When Robredo tried to do her job, three weeks after she was appointed, Duterte fired her. She was also attacked and criticized for soliciting funds and distributing relief goods to the poor who are mostly affected by the pandemic. Remember that on the 4th of February, several Philippine military officials headed by no other than General Parlade visited Australia and presented to Filipino community leaders in Sydney, Canberra, and Melbourne the president's so-called peace initiative. But the presentation was nothing about the peace initiative of the Philippine government, but rather it was full of red tagging and attacks on progressive community organizations and civil society organizations, including organizations here such as Migrante, Gabriela, and Anakbayan. The presentation also attacked Australian citizens, including Len Cooper, Sister Pat Fox, Peter Murphy, and Jill Boringer, red tagged them as terrorist agents and supporting the terrorist groups in the Philippines. Duterte cleaned up his government of any opposition. He appointed ex-generals and top-ranking military officials to the cabinet and important positions in his government, including as ambassadors to various countries. I may discuss now the response of the Philippine government to COVID-19. The COVID-19 pandemic was already known as early as January. Duterte has militarized the response to COVID-19. Let me just summarize some of Duterte's responses and protective measures to COVID-19. On 9th of March, President declares state of public health emergency. On the 12th of March, President Duterte placed Metro Manila under community quarantine. And on the 16th of March, he placed the entire island of Luzon under enhanced community quarantine, or ECQ. On the 28th of March, Duterte warned local officials to follow national orders or risk facing administrative cases, ensuring that local governments don't complain and just follow whatever he ordered. On the 23rd of March, Congress held a special session to tackle and approve a bill declaring a national emergency and granting Duterte additional powers. It is akin to military or to martial law in the Philippines. On the 1st of April, Duterte said in a press conference, he said, and I quote, by orders to the police and military, if there is trouble and there's an occasion that they fight back and your lives are in danger, shoot them dead. That's exactly what Duterte said. On the 16th of April, Duterte has ordered the military and police to be ready to take over the enforcement of social distancing and curfew measures, describing the takeover as similar to martial law. Many services were shut down, including public transport. The lockdown was implemented without considerations to the public, and many were trapped in 
various places and not able to go home nor to go to their work. No clear announcement was made before the lockdown measures were implemented. So even the police and the military who were manning the checkpoints were not sure of the actual procedures. So they practiced their own ways, which most common are abusive ones. Instead of providing protective clothing or support to those who ventured out to look for jobs or food for their family, they are arrested, thrown in jail and asked to post a bail money of 15,000 pesos, about 500 Australian dollars, if they want to be released. So how can they pay the bail if they do not even have money for food? Duterte has taken advantage of the pandemic in implementing his militarist approach that violates civil and political rights. On the 15th of March, Karapatan Regional Council member was arrested on the basis of trumped-up charges of kidnapping and destructive arsons. On the 27th of March, a public school teacher was charged with sedition after posting her criticism on Facebook against the local government's lack of appropriate response to the health crisis, resulting in starvation of residents. Maria Victoria Beltran, an artist and businesswoman based in Cebu, has been arrested after she posted that 9,000-plus new cases in one town only in Cebu in one day and added that the town is now the epicenter of coronavirus in the whole solar system. So she was arrested for posting a true story. Only the Department of Health is authorized to report on COVID-19 cases, including the number of deaths. Even hospitals are not allowed to make any report or public announcements. So one can expect that there are a lot more cases and more deaths than what is being reported. On the 1st of April, residents of San Roque, Quezon City, including women and children, went to the streets to demand food assistance. Plenty of people are starving because of the lockdown and no assistance from the government is being provided. So instead of responding to their demands, 21 of them were arrested and jailed. On the 20th of April, six community volunteers, including a former congressman, were arrested for bringing food to the poor, even if they practiced the social distancing policy. They were volunteers from Tulung Anakpawis and Sagit Kanayunan, which translate to help the poor and rescue the villages. So they are just helping the poor. They were arrested. On 1st of May, Labor Day, more than 50 activists were arrested in the Philippines for expressing their position on workers' rights. In Iloilo alone, 42 were arrested for seeking justice over the death of Bayan Muna coordinator Jory Porquia. Jory was gunned down by unidentified men in Iloilo City as he was distributing relief goods on the 30th of April. More arrests are done every day. Within two weeks of the lockdown, more than 20,000 were arrested and thrown to overcrowded jails. In contrast, up until the 6th of April, or for almost a month, the tests conducted by the Department of Health numbered only to just over 22,000. On May 5, ABS-CBN, a major broadcasting network, was ordered to stop its operations. 
the shutdown rendered more than 11,000 workers jobless. The reason the government gave for shutting it down was that the network's franchise has expired on May 5. However, the application for the franchise renewal has been submitted months ago. I think it was submitted as early as uh, 2018. This is another attack on press freedom. The Turkish government does not only shut the journalists up, it also shut down any venue or means of raising opposition voices. There have been many calls, including UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, on the release of political prisoners. Take note that majority of the political prisoners in the Philippines are in jail based on trump-up charges and made-up crimes. PASA, or Philippines-Australia Solidarity Association, wrote letter to the Philippine President, the Chief Justice, the Chief of the Supreme Court, and the Chairperson of the Philippine Human Rights Commission, appealing for the release of the political prisoners, especially the elderly, the sick, and the pregnant women. The International Coalition for Human Rights in the Philippines-Australia also released a public statement asking for the release of political prisoners, but none of these appeals were heard by the Philippine government. People are not deterred, though. No amount of red tagging nor harassment can stop the people in voicing their opposition to anti-people measures and policies of the Duterte government. Activists and advocates will continue to work for people's rights, democracy, justice, and lasting peace in the Philippines and anywhere in the world. Lastly, I would like to thank the Alternative News in 3CR and also Romina Bateson for allowing me to talk on these important issues. And I hope that everybody is coping very well on these very difficult times during pandemic COVID-19. Thank you so much. That's all we have time for today. Tune in again next week for another edition of Alternative News brought to you from 3CR Community Radio 855 on the AM dial, streaming live on 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. I'm Romina Betson from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. Our telephone number at Trades Hall is 0414 and our email address is peacecenter at cicd.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.